but their government, just like our government, has an agenda and it's not in the best interest of the people. Strengthening masculinity in China and weakening it in the West. When it comes to freedom, as long as there is any tyranny or any sort of dictatorship, there will always be a group of men fighting for freedom. That gives me hope. We need to wake people up. Like you need to learn how to stand up for yourself. Call the arms for our society, man. You know, my thing is freedom always. Freedom above everything. I felt the call. It was a powerful call for me. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to another episode of the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Baloo. And I'm here with a very special guest, a good friend of mine who I've in, interviewed many times on my flagship business podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. This man is a champion of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. He's a man who's actually fought for freedom as a Marine Raider, and he is one of the finest, most masculine men I know. I'm speaking, of course, of Nick Kumalatsis. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks, Nikki. Always a pleasure. And uh, happy to be back on. Yeah, good to have you on, my man. Although it's the first time you've been on this show, although you and I That's have right. a couple interviews. That's right. That's true. So, yeah. so Nick, here's 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 the logo. Love Modern it. Man movement. Here's the hat. We got we got swag on the website, and I wanted to have you here today because throughout history, men have been protectors. Men have been the ones that have gone to war to protect our society from evildoers to protect us from the other guy. And we're living in a time right now where a lot of men are very confused about what it is to be a masculine man. There's a lot of men right now that are buying in, unfortunately, into that horrid lie that masculinity is toxic. There's nothing toxic about masculinity. It's the lack of masculinity that's toxic. 100%. And I wanted to, I wanted to have you tell your story to the folks here on the show. And I also wanted to get into a discussion about what it is that has had men like you answer the call to go fight and protect the rest of us and how you think we can awaken that ethos again in modern men in, in Western society. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's there. First of all, I think that the attack is not something that's just, you know, something that happened overnight, right? It's not something that happened in the past year. I mean, this has been, if you look at men in the family and men in, in uh, you know, at least in North America, right? Um, there has been a multi-decade, uh, I don't want to, I, I don't know if it's a plan. I don't want to say, I don't want to make us make me sound like a conspiracy theorist, but there's definitely been a, degra a degradation of pa patriarchy in the, in North America over the past several decades. Right. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really saying, I'm thinking, the seventies, you know, and I'm no, I'm no historian, but, um, if you really look at from the sixties on, that's where you start to see a lot less men in the household. And, um, and it wasn't overnight. So it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It was next thing, you know, it's a, uh, it's next thing, you know, it's a, you know, the, the crime bill where you're like, you're locking up, you know, locking up men for, for, you know, you know, being drunk or, or, you know, a, a dime bag of weed or, and they're getting like 20 years or something Insane. silly. Insane. Right. Um, especially now, you know, you fast forward and it's legal and the government's profiting off of it. And most <laughs> where, where it is, right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the prohibition stance, you know, the only reason it was illegal is because they were, they weren't making money off of it. And as soon as they figured out how to make money off of it, it was like, Oh, you know, here we go. So, but you look at that over a period of time and it's, if it's not, if it's either a legal thing with, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever, um, then it rolls into kind of like this media PR piece, you know? So over time, there's just been this degradation of trying to get men to be 
less, either less manly or not in the home at all. And what happens when that happens? And if you look at the, at the players at B of why would that would be is you cannot control a nation when you have strong men in the, in, in the household. When you have, a, you have an entire nation of, of strong men, you can't pull shady things on a nation because you have a bunch of fathers and husbands and, and, and men who are united with a common goal or a common moral standard. And when you have mass, true masculine men, regardless of their political beliefs or regardless of you know, their demographics or where they come from, when you have a good, when a good man is a good man and a masculine man, they are all on the same front because all that other stuff, that's just, you know, politics is a personal preference. You know what I mean? It's like your mm-hmm. ideas. But at the end of the day, a real man cares about the way that he raises his kids, how he prepares for how he provides and, and teaches his family and is there for his family. He's a protector. He's a leader. He's a professor for his, his tribe. Right. And that, that, transcends politics that transcends demographics so one of the biggest threats to a society is a united front of masculine men yeah so i think that i i feel since the 70s that was something that was a threat to um essentially you know a, a you know a federal government how can you manipulate? How can you control? How can you, um, you know, con- you know, control a populace if you have men that are united with this common theme? You know, I like what you said so much. I wrote it down because I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And a friend of mine, Ryan Mickler, he has a podcast called Order of Men. Great man. Great he's dude. a great man. He's a great man. Yeah. And he talks about protect, provide, preside, but you added a fourth P and that's profess. A man who is yeah. a professor is one who's a teacher, who, who is a, uh, a leader in educating the next generation. And I believe that is so important. It's such an important part of being a man. So you added the fourth P to what Ryan created. He's got a three-legged stool, but we need a four-legged stool. So I'm going to tell, well I'll, I'll tell him. Yeah, I'll, tell, well I'll message him and tell him. <laughs> well, I'm stealing that from you, brother. That's <laughs> so good, man. Go. And that's the thing is like, no, we don't own these things. This is something that as a community of men, we need to come together and, be, and, 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 and not just become better, but also hold other men accountable. We've gotten so soft, Nikki, that we won't make that phone call to a friend or to a family member who's not living up to what they're supposed to be and saying, hey, listen. Like you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I want to, you're doing what, why is that? They don't, Cause we don't want to what offend someone or have a difficult conversation. Yeah. Well, you I and might. I both know difficult conversations is how we get better. It's the only way you get better. Right. So there's a really good book. I don't know if you've heard of this book before. Hard times create strong men. The I've author- heard this saying. The author is Stefan Arneo. Yeah, it's it's on the check it out, bro. Can you see that? Ah, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually just I actually just said that in a in a in a video uh about uh getting your getting your house in order, saying men need to get their house in order. Yeah. It's a quote from this book by this author who I interviewed on my other podcast, uh G. Michael Hoff. He wrote that poem. Um oh, okay. he's a veteran. Uh, as well. He fought in Desert Storm. Um, it's a novel that he wrote. So it's a really, really, really good book. Highly recommend it. But he wrote the poem, uh, Those Who Remain. It's it's a spectacular, spectacular book. So wrote, the first one was Strong Men and that one's Those Who Remain? Yeah, yeah. Those Who Remain. Yeah. So Hard Times Create Strong Men. That's what it's called. Hard Times Create Strong Men. And in this book, he goes into a bit of a history, hard times, great strong men of how we came to be where we are today. And yeah. I also read another book. I was trying to find it on my bookshelf here. I, I can't seem to locate it. Oh, here it is. Let me grab it. You got a lot of books, Nikki. <laughs> so brother, this one is down. called 
willing accomplices. And Kent Clisby in his book outlines how Vladimir Lenin in 1917 with uh, a colleague of his by the name of Willie Mutzenberg basically identified the United States as the main adversary and sent out Mutzenberg to use the United States' great strength, its openness against itself. So he started to put in willing accomplices in academia, in uh, Hollywood, and in the media to start to degrade the U.S.'s strong belief in its own exceptionalism. And this, this has been going on since 1917. And the Soviet Union collapsed by 1991 but the seeds they planted were successfully taking root in America. And Stefanonio talks about in Hard Times Create Strong Men as well. This is a deliberate plan. It has been implemented at the order of Vladimir Lenin with the help of William Munzenberg. There's another uh, former KGB officer by the name of Yuri Berezov who has some videos on YouTube where he talks about how this plan has been the aim and objective of the KGB. And right now, I believe that communist China is directing many of the um, activities that are causing masculinity to be degraded and Americans to fight against each other. Divide and rule is, a, is as old as time itself. Julius Caesar used it to conquer Gaul and Spain. It, it's just, it's funny you say that, man, because it's, it's a hundred percent, you're hundred percent correct. It's, you know, there's a, there's a term called asymmetrical warfare Yeah, and there's literally books, there's TMs on it in, uh, in, in the army and with, in special operations. And, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these methods granted, you know, obviously you have to take into account the internet and, and social media on how to do it. But I mean, back then it was literally just newspapers or, or pamphlets that they were putting out as propaganda to, to or, that they were saying was true and getting people to believe this, this, this information. Um, but it's tactics that our own, that our own special operations have used in other, in foreign countries that are now being used on us. And we're fought. And, and for the most part, there's, there's a, there's a, a large group of people that are following for it. I mean, they just found out that, uh, I mean, it's, it's public knowledge, but you know, there was a, a, a cartoon commercial made by China talking about critical race theory. I mean, when when China is agreeing with what's happening and then creating media and pushing it to the United, United States, like when communist China agrees with your methodology, you should probably be, wor be worried, right? Very worried. <laughs> like, Very worried. Yeah, it's it's listen, I, I'm a, I'm a cinephile. I, I love China. I love Chinese history. I love Chinese culture. Uh, I grew up with a ton of Chinese friends. I have a ton of Chinese friends now. I love the Chinese people. They're some of the most hardworking, dedicated, pro-family people on the face of the earth. But nobody can deny that the Chinese government is the adversary of Western liberal democracies. That's a good point. I think that when you when you talk about a you talk about a country, you're not necessarily talking about their people, right? You're talk. I've been all over the world, I've been all over the Middle East. You know what? I've got a lot of uh, Muslim friends. Does that mean every Muslim person is bad? You know. No. So when we talk about the, what's going on in Afghanistan. We talk about what's happening in these other countries. Um, you know, obviously we were at war. We were at war with Japan, right? I spent three years in Okinawa. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. People there were awesome. You know what I mean? And you know what? They love a lot of those Japanese are huge fans of us and they love us, you know, but you look at their, you look at their empire, you know, World War II, they were that, that government was evil, 100%. you know, and the same thing with, same thing with Germany. There was probably a lot of Germans that were like, geez, when that was going on, you know, that you're, you're looking at a government, same thing, which like you said, with China, but there's a lot of, good working hard chinese people that are just trying to do what they have to do but their government just like our government has an agenda and it's not in the best interest of the people of the world no of the world right it is not and it's interesting you talk about masculinity how it's being degraded here in the west china right now has outlawed effeminate male characters on television 
uh, radio and in movies outlawed. So if you're going to show a movie in China, it cannot have effeminate male characters. They won't allow it, which is insane. I mean, a pure right. example of a lot. Right. But, then I, but in the same, in the same, in the same breath, they are also pushing critical race theory in the West. Yeah. So what is strengthening masculinity in China and weakening it in the West, which is what a smart opponent would do. I mean, right. look, Sun Tzu and the art of war, you know, talks about the smartest generals are those who can win a war without firing a shot. And yep. Chinese military thinkers right now are on board with that. China is emphasizing manly education for young boys, manly education. We're not doing that. Well, I mean, you just look at their, I mean, you've seen, you've seen the, uh, the contrast between our military recruitment videos. I'm sure you've come across the one, the China, the Chinese one, the Russian one, and then the new army one. And, uh, it paints, it paints two very different pictures. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. They're, oh man. If you remember Marine Corps commercials in the nineties. Yeah. Like you've got, you got Marines pulling, fighting, you know, fighting with swords and fighting dragons and just doing this crazy stuff and riding in boats and, you know, you know, climbing ships and just being, you know, just being badass, right? Um, that's what the Chinese and the Russian uh, military recruitment videos look like. I mean, they are, I will, I'm not going to lie. They are motivating. They're like, absolutely like sign. They get me because I'm that demographic, right? I was that demographic in the nineties. They're like, I'm like, sign me up. Now I'm in, I'm in. And then, and then the other one, the American one is a cartoon of a girl who was raised by two uh, women. And then the she fought and, and she, and she went to uh pride rallies for, for justice and this and that. That's, that's what the commercial is about. I'm like, like say that is your background. What does that have to do with being in the army? Nothing, nothing. I don't care who you were raised by. Who are you as a person? What does that have to do with the you being a soldier in the army? Nothing. Nothing. And and so it's just the contrast between what what's happening in the states and what they're doing. You're absolutely right. They are pushing masculinity. They want strong men. They want mm -hmm. fighters. They want people that are willing to stand up for their for their countrymen. They want people that are going to be strong and and educated. And meanwhile, we're just worried about everybody's feelings. Yeah. You know, Stefan Arnio, the author of the book, Hard Times Create Strong Men, said that um, nations that start off as masculine republics eventually devolve into feminine democracies, and that inevitably leads to tyranny. And I thought that was pretty Ouch. powerful and prophetic statement. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a scary statement in it yeah. because it's exactly, if you look at the history of us, uh, you know, here in America, it's, it's exactly what is happening. Yeah. Um, you talk about some of the first Marines to um, fight for the fledgling United States. And I, I, I remember O'Bannon, I think that was the man's name. He was one of the first Marines to take part in an armed engagement as a U.S. Marine. I think he was a lieutenant at the time, and he was fighting the um, and before that Barbary he's probably pirates. just some probably just some farmer, yeah, you know, or something. You know. fight, I think he was fighting the Barbary pirates. And you know, I, I read uh, about the um, he, he was decorated for heroism, and I read some of the dispatches in which. They uh, they memorialized you know what he did and and the citation for his medal I forget which medal he won yeah just said I think it was Percy O'Bannon Wesley O'Bannon something like that uh, for conspicuous gallantry in the face of overwhelming odds under fire from the enemy with complete disregard for his own safety and you know, I'm yeah. just like wow dude that was that dude and he went yeah. out there and he fought like a badass against overwhelming gods and kicked the crap out of those pirates. Right. And today and th those were the first, you know, uh, Islamic terrorists, the Barbary pirates, right. They would right. go and prey upon shipping and they engaged in slavery. I mean, 
a little known fact is that slavery is not something that was um, only practiced by Europeans. It was practiced by Africans and, and, and Muslims. And it's been, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. slavery has been a thing since slavery has been the dawn, a thing. Of, the dawn of man. The dawn of man. And as, 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 uh, you know, as rough as it's been that Europeans uh, captured black slaves, uh, Africans black captured white slaves. There were about 13 million uh, Europeans that were sold into bondage in uh, Africa and in the Barbary States. That's a lot of people, man. That's a whole lot of slaves. I mean, you my know. people were my people were slaves at some point in our in our uh, history. Yeah, so were mine. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm both Assyrian and Iranian, and I know we've been slaves throughout our history too. So, right. you know. Your people were probably slaves to the Greeks at some yeah. point. You know? <laughs> the Greeks to, to us too. So there you go. Right. Um, actually, uh, Alexander the Great, when he conquered uh, uh, the Persian Empire, he definitely took a bunch of slaves and all that good stuff. But anyways, we digress. These folks were ready to fight. They were badasses. They were warriors. Man, I'm worried about the next generation. What if the next generation in the military has to fight against the true fighting force, a badass force of Chinese or Russian masculine men that are coming after them. How are they going to perform? I don't think they're going to perform very well at all. That I, I, I am, I am not fearful, but I am worried of the day that we have to fight like that again, because of what you just said. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, when it, you know, I, I, I was talking about this on another podcast when it comes to freedom, if you look at history, as long as there is any tyranny or any sort of dictatorship, there will always be a group of men somewhere fighting for freedom. Always has been. Always. There's always been an underground rebellion. There's always been a group of men that will fight for freedom, die for it as well. And there always has been. If you look at, you know, you know, look at, uh, British, the British history, you know, Scotland, Ireland, you look at, you know, art, you know, Greeks in the Persian empire, or you look at, you know, Romans or in, in Africa, any, any time that you have tyranny or you put something in a socialist or a communist country, there will always be a group of people fighting for freedom. We see it in South American countries forever. There will always be a group of people. So that gives me hope. That even even say the America turns into an absolute straight dictatorship, there will be a group of men that will stand up and fight for freedom. Amen. But when it comes to the actual military, you got to think of what the military is. The military belongs to what? Federal government. Federal government. And that is that is their military. The president is the commander in chief. He has control of that. You know. And um, so that is a very, very different story. So like what you're talking about is fighting a foreign, a foreign entity, which we know, you and I both know, and I guess not everybody knows, but you and I both know that they have a very hardcore agenda to weaken us more so now than has been in a Ever. very long time. Yeah. Um, and they've done it. They have done it over the past two years. They have, man, we, they have allowed our federal government either has allowed it to happen or either been in cahoots with certain people to allow it to happen to weak, to weaken us. And the day that ever comes that we actually have to fight these people face to face. Um, that's a scary thought. It's a very Listen, scary thought. China as a civilization produced Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu wrote the art of war. Yeah. And anybody who's involved in the military in any way needs to read that book mm -hmm. needs to write about how he talks about that. The most brilliant generals win the war without firing a single shot. They use misdirection and deception and divide and rule as a primary strategy to weaken their opponents. If people can't wrap their heads around that, I'm sorry, they're stupid. Yeah. They're stupid. <laughs> right. Right. So then what, what do we do? So what's the answer here? Well, Nick, you know, I don't know. I've, I've got a few uh, ideas. One of them is we need to wake people up. 
I just wrote a book called um, The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book with Wayne Allen Root, who's a conservative radio talk show host. Uh, he was the 2008 candidate for vice president on the Libertarian Party ticket. Uh, he is a personal friend of the former presidents. They call him the Trump of Las Vegas, the king of Las Vegas sports gambling. He's written a lot of best-selling books. This book is all about waking people up to the fact that many of the largest American corporations right now have been um, frightened by the woke left into basically renouncing their traditional American values. And what we're saying is push back against these folks. Here's a list of a hundred of them. Here's all yeah. their social media handles. Here's all the email addresses of the, of the CEOs push back and vote with your dollars. So that's yep. one thing we're doing. Secondly, podcasts like this, I run a men's organization. Uh, I aim to grow it bigger right now. We're fairly small. We got about 20, 30 men involved. I got a vision to take it to 20, 30,000 men. And so so 20, 30 men, let's look, cause this, yeah, we're doing the same thing. I'm sure you're tracking with like what we're doing with the Agogi. Yeah. You know, what Ryan Mickler's doing with the order of men and his, and his things. I think that it's going to take guys say, just say it's the three of us. Right. I think it's going to take guys to, one being unapologetic for what masculinity is being unapologetic for being a good man, holding other men accountable being, you know, not being overweight, being in shape, yeah. um, having the, you know, as you age, not allowing, you, you know, your age to be an excuse for where you are at physically or mentally, Amen. you know, especially if, if, even more so if you're a father, you know? And so what we're doing with the agogi is that the whole point of the agogi, granted, we do have some females in there, but they're the same. They're very like-minded individuals. They want to be the very best version of themselves. Yeah. They want to be the best version of themselves for their, for their communities. So, but, but what our goal is, is to get men physically fit and still some dis discipline in them, get them to remove their, their limiting belief factors. Cause we all, you know, from, from either what we've been told traumatic events, our experiences, we put these limiting beliefs, these governors on what we believe yeah. that we're capable of whether it be our physical fitness, whether it be us our making money, whether it be being a good father or whatever. Um, but we put these limiting beliefs on it and then also instilling a, a tribe mentality in them. And you say you have 20 something people in there. You got to think what, if you have 20 men and you impart these, these principles on them, and then they, those 20 men impart those principles on their children and just say we have a, you know, 2.5, you know, whatever the ratio is for children, what that's, how that's impacting. And then how those 20 something men are impacting the men around them. Now they might not be a part of your, the, 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 the group, but how are they impacting them? And what you start seeing is this massive multiply effect of influence. But if we don't do that, we're screwed. Collectively, 100%. there's there's only there's only one way to do this, and that's what we're doing. Agreed. We need ten thousand Nick Kumalatso says we need ten thousand Ryan Mickler. We need ten thousand Nikki Blues right. to just make a, a, a big dent. But we got to start somewhere, right? That's important, as you say. It's just it, it it blows my mind about this whole toxic masculinity. I don't know. Did you catch the uh, Johnny Slick shave soap commercial? You know, I never saw that, but I caught the original Gillette toxic masculinity ads back in the day. And I actually had a friend of mine who created a response to those. His name is Elon Srulovitz, uh, E-Guard okay. Watches. You know, what is a man? And that kind of, that went viral. 40 million people saw it. So, but please, I'll, I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Um, Text it to me when you have a minute. It's actually short. Let me just play the audio for it. Sure. Why not? Let's go yeah, for let's, it. Let's do that. Um, but basically it was kind of not on purpose to be, you know, kind of thrown back in Gillette's, uh, Gillette's face. Um, but it, it kind of came out that way. Um, Gillette lost $8 billion in value as a result of running that ad. $8 billion. Who would have thought? 
Like I stopped buying Gillette. I was a 20 plus year Gillette user. I haven't bought a Gillette product since. All right, here we go. So obviously, if you guys go look this up, it's called, uh, you know, it's, it, it's my take on toxic masculinity. It's on my channel, Nick Kumalatsos, or you can do Johnny Slick shave commercial or something like that. Brother, why up. don't you put it? Why don't you share it on the, on the zoom, man? Just go on and share it. In today's world, we are being told that masculinity is bad, that it's toxic and the world needs less of it. That fathers are an option, not a requirement. We believe that fathers are essential and that masculinity is essential. We don't think the world needs less masculinity. We believe the world needs more of it. You see, masculinity is the foundation that men are built upon. True masculinity teaches young men how to treat women, how to treat their friends, how to stand up for others, and the why behind it all. As men, we need to be there and show this next generation what it means to be a man, a husband, a friend, and a father. As men, there are a few lessons we get to teach our young. We teach them how to ride bikes, build forts, open the door for a woman, or if the time comes, even fight, if needed. One of the oldest traditions we get to teach our young men is how to shave. This simple lesson, this simple task, is a time-honored tradition that is passed down from one generation to the next. One can say it's the start of a young man's path to manhood. So here at Johnny Slicks, we wanted to be part of that tradition. So we created our all-organic shave soap. So all the men out there guiding and setting the example, we tip our hat to you. Stay slick. Brother, I love it, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of, you know, as we were, um, you know, talking about it and we, when we launched this product, I really was like, you know what? And that had happened a little, a few months prior to that. And I was like, and it just rubbed me the wrong way, man. And talking about kids, you know, getting in fights and stuff. And I remember my own childhood of, of getting picked on. And, you know, I grew up without a dad. I had to learn how to protect myself. Like I had to get pushed to a limit. And I remember, I remember when I, I snapped and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm done getting bullied. But that was a lesson that I had to learn by myself instead of a father. And there's, and getting, being a bully is not good, right? Obviously. No, um, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Right. There's, 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 there's nothing okay with that. However, there is, that is a pivotal moment in a young man's life, you know, and if he has a father and he has a professor there to teach them, like, Hey, listen, I can't go fight. I'm not going to be able to fight your battles all, all, all for the rest of your life. Like you need to learn how to stand up for yourself. You're going to get some bruises. Life is going to, and that's what I think is the whole thing is messed up about this is we, we want to put everybody in these little protective bubbles, but life doesn't care, man. You're going to lose. You're going to fail. Life's going to put, put, you know, put you down. It's going to punch you in the face and knock you down. So what do you do then? It's our responsibility to teach our young that it, those things are going to happen, but you get back up. You get back up and you can fight and you can protect yourself. And not even, not even that. What happens when you see it for somebody else? Are you too scared? Are you too insecure? You're too effeminate to stand up for someone else? All these people are talking about, and that's what I had this, I had this talk with my daughter because obviously with media, um, and everything that's going on that, that, you know, you're getting pumped with this agenda. Right. And I said, you know, and of course they look at me like this, you know, I'm this masculine, you know, not necessarily conservative. I'm probably more libertarian, um, it, it, than anything. I, you know, my thing is freedom. Always, <laughs> always Amen. freedom, always freedom above everything. Um, but I had to explain to them, I said, you know, don't allow them to paint me or my people in a certain way. Because while all these other people in the United States are complaining and talking about feelings, me and my kind went and fought for those freedoms. Your right to be gay, your right to have a choice, your right to have your first amendment, your right to have your second amendment, your right to have your fourth and 14th, like your right to be free and choose. If you want to 
be gay, get married, smoke weed and do whatever, man, I'm all for it. I, I might not always agree with it. It might not be my, my personal beliefs, but I will be damned if somebody's going to going to step in front of you and say that you can't be free. So before you get all mad at, at me and my people know that we are the ones that put our life on the lines to protect your freedom and your freedom to choose and your freedom to have a voice. Amen, man. You know Amen. what I mean? So like, you know, and that's something that they, that, that I feel like is being lost. It's like, no, you believe these certain things. What, whether I believe or don't believe does not mean that I won't stand up and fight for your rights as well. But will they do the same for ours? Here's the truth. All these folks that have been dividing us have had people lose sight of what makes the West and America great. America right. is freedom, period. Full stop, end the story, America's freedom. 1776, a whole bunch of men got together and said, you know what, we're done being told by a king how to live our lives over here. And compared, by the way, to the crap that the modern tyrants are trying to shove down our throats, that was very benign and mild. And those yeah. men stood up and said, we're going to go our own way. And because of that, this is the very first exercise in self-government that's worked in a couple thousand years. The last exercises in self-government were in Greece, in Athens, yeah. in the Roman republics, in the Carthaginian republics, and none of them lasted. The Roman Republic lasted for a few hundred years. So it was a pretty successful exercise in self-government, but yeah. it had flaws built into the system. Okay. It certainly was nowhere near as, uh, aware of the importance of having liberty be available for all. They just wanted it for Roman citizens. And after a while, folks like Julius Caesar said, you know what? I'm done with this liberty business. I want to be an emperor. I want to be Caesar. So let me take it away from the people. And the people fought against the side of those that wanted freedom. People like Cicero, you know, People like Cato the Elder, these are the ones who stood for freedom. They lost the battle and the tyrants from within took over. That's what happened. Same in Greece, same in, in Athens, same in Sparta. Carthage was a republic and it was destroyed by Rome. The United States of America in 1776 has been the most successful exercise in self-government ever, ever, because of the idea of human liberty applying to all, not just a select group of people, it has resulted in an explosion of creativity, prosperity, frankly, strength and power. It's the world's only ever benign superpower. And these folks within, they don't get it because they've become a feminized democracy. They're no longer that masculine republic that the United States was born as. And a feminized democracy is about to crumble unless it starts to become a masculine republic again. And so what's and what's crazy about that is you and I are are part of that masculine republic, right? Yeah. Our ideals and what we what we what we believe and what we want to prepare our children for and, and the next generation uh, is a certain idea. So I pull this up. This was on ABC Nightly News. This is a this is a screenshot of of their of their things says potential ter terror threats talking about people. Have you seen this? I have, but yeah, go ahead. Share it yeah. with everybody. Uh, opposition uh, to COVID measures, <laughs> potential terror threats, claims of election fraud, believe Trump can be reinstated um, and nine 11 anniversary and religious holidays. These are some uh, crazy people, man. So what I don't understand is like you, I read that and I'm like, and I just, it screams history to me, right? It screams 1930 Germany. It screams, uh, what was it with, uh, uh, was it um, in Russia? Was it 19? You were just talking about it. Um, when they 17, the communist revolution, 1917, like that. These are all things that 
Religious holidays? That's a terrorist threat? Easter? Christmas? What? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, the fact that the fact that uh, an election can't be fraudulent. Listen, there. This is not the first election in U.S. history that has been disputed, and people legitimately felt was in many ways fraudulent. I mean, they said that Trump been, was fraudulent when he beat. There you he, go. So, <laughs> and actually, he wasn't. But 1960, the Nixon Kennedy election. Okay, that is. An election that's proven to have been stolen. Richard Nixon won that election, period, full stop, end of story. And JFK's dad and LBJ stole that election. Made it happen. Stole that election. They've got the mafia involved in Illinois and Texas, switched over those votes from Nixon to Kennedy, and that's how he won. In the 2000 election, there's a lot of people who believe that that election was stolen by the Bush family over Al Gore. The 2000 election, 1876, Samuel Tilden beat Rutherford B. Hayes in that election. Beat him. No question about it. The Republicans stole that election over the Democrats. It's proven. It It happens. Give me a a break. It happens. happens. And to just say, hey, this election could be stolen is now a sign that you're a terrorist. That's insane. It's a sign that you are a free citizen in a free republic and a democracy, and you are exercising your God-given rights to dispute what the powers that be are saying is the truth. Dispute. Look, do I have proof that the 2020 election was stolen? I don't have proof. I have plenty of causes for concern. I'm from Iran. In Iran, our elections got stolen. My father walked into a voting booth. Guy in military uniform with a Heckler and Koch G3 automatic assault rifle pointed at my dad and said, hand me your ballot. Dad handed him the ballot, said, thank you, marked it and voted on his behalf. You think that was a free and fair election? It was not a free and fair election. Okay, so here's the things that to me show that there's a major cause for concern in the 2020 election. So there have been a number of studies that showed that Donald Trump won between one and seven percent more votes in 44 states, even states he lost. He increased his vote total by between one and seven percent in 44 states. He did not in six states. That is statistically improbable. Improbable, not impossible, but improbable. Okay. In every election prior to this election, there are 19 so-called bellwether counties. The person who won The majority of these counties, with one exception prior to this, won every single presidential election. Donald Trump won 18 of 19 bellwether counties. The guy who didn't win all of them, or the majority of them, was Harry Truman, and he won a good number. He didn't just win one, like Joe Biden did. He won a good number of them. So Donald Trump won 18 of 19 bellwether counties, and he lost. He was leading in these six states, in every single one of them, the night before. All of a sudden, there were vote dumps. Vote dumps. Vote dumps? Vote dumps are what happened in third world countries and banana republics and places like Iran, where the people in charge want to make sure they win when they know they've lost. Vote dumps don't happen when you have a free and fair election. The votes are all there. It's all done by the end of the day. In the in Europe, they don't allow mail-in voting. Why? Because mail-in voting is an invitation to cheat. It's an invitation yep. to cause fraud. Yep. Why are we allowing mail-in voting? Mail-in voting means someone wants to put their finger on the scale. That's well, all it means. You so, got you to look at what's what side at any point. What side is is pushing for mail-in voting? The feminized side. The <laughs> right. feminized side. Right. So, and here's the reason why. And here's the reason why we have to. We have to protect our vote because as a democracy, as a citizen, to keep good order and discipline, the way that the way that majority of people go, you know what? I live in a democracy. I, I, the, these government people work for us. My vote counts. So even if I lose, even if I lose, I can go, well, 
I lost. But we still have a democracy. The other side won. It was fair. I'm good with that. When you remove the trust and confidence in the voting process is when you create anarchy. Civil now war. my voice is not heard. Now I'm, I'm living in it. Now I'm just getting told what to do. Nobody wants to be told what to do. No, no that's when that's when you start pe having people fight back. And that's what that's what can create violence. That what that's what can create civil unrest. Um, civil and that's a danger to a country. It is. We don't you have want to protect the, you have to protect the election. The, the integrity of an election has to be at all costs protected because that is that is what keeps us civil. That's what keeps us civil without um, full faith in the electoral process. A free republic cannot endure. 100%. And to me, there's a lot of powerful things that you've said here today, but one of them is a call to arms for our society, Nick, to start getting serious about civic responsibility. And that's a sign of being a masculine man when you participate in your society and you participate in its civic life. And secondly, it's to understand that good men like you and women have fought, bled, and died for the freedoms that we all get to enjoy. The blessings of liberty don't come cheap. Ronald Reagan said freedom isn't free. And boy, was no. he ever right. Boy, was yeah, he ever it's right. Not, it, it's not free. And, uh, and like I said, there will always be men to stand for it. Amen. Thank you for your service. Thank you for fighting and bleeding for uh, the rights of the rest of us to be free. What makes America special to me is it's the only nation in the history of the world that has sent its sons and daughters, more especially its sons, to fight, bleed, and die, not just for its own people to be free, but for other people to be free. And, you know, you're a representative of and, the United States military, and you've done that. So thank you for that, brother. And an all-volunteer force. All-volunteer force. Amazing, That's right? crazy. It's beautiful. Crazy great. Yeah. It's crazy great. You know, I'm a Canadian. When 9-11 happened, I tried to volunteer for the U.S. military. <laughs> They wouldn't let me, um, <laughs> mainly because I wasn't an American at the time. It was crazy to me. A few years later, that changed. Yeah. But I said, I speak Farsi. You know, I'd like to come and help. Hire me out. The CIA or any other organization that needs a Farsi speaker to get into the fight. And they said, no, you have to be an American citizen at the time. And so I wasn't able to do it. But I, I felt the call to stand up for freedom. It was a powerful call for me. And I think you're right. There's always going to be men that are ready to fight, bleed, and die for freedom. And I think it's a beautiful thing that people are so motivated. You know, in the Bible, it says that uh, there is no greater love than a man who's willing to lay down his life for his brother. Yep. And to me, that's what people that serve in the military do. So, you know, God bless you. God bless the United States Marine Corps. God bless the, uh, the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of it certainly have never broken faith, even if the brass has. And right. that's a beautiful thing. So, you know, I've really enjoyed this talk, Nick. I'd like to do this again with you repeatedly. I'd like us to come back and do a bunch of these. Yeah, you and, know, you got, you know, you got me, Nikki. <laughs> well, listen, man, um, I'd like to get, I don't know if you're still doing your interviews with people, but I'd like to get me and Wayne to come talk about our book on your show, if that's a possibility. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, I'll send you a link to the book. It's powerful. It's, it's, it's already done well, but we definitely need to get the word out in a way bigger way. Uh, the topic of um, making men masculine again, which is our mission here is important. I ripped that off of Donald Trump. I'm not going to lie. And Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan originally created make America great again. Donald Trump didn't do it. He just, he ripped off uh, Ronald Reagan and I'm ripping off Donald Trump. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. <laughs> there's a lot of similarities, but I think it's a short punchy, powerful, direct, and clear and to the point tagline. Making yep. men masculine again is what we're all about. It's important that we do that. And like you said, you start with 20 men, you start with two men and you go to 20 to 200 to 2000 to 20,000 and 200,000 and 2 million and 20 million and 200 million. And then, then you got yourself a movement. And I'm really glad that you're in this space. I love this conversation. It was one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had. 
I, I loved our previous two interviews, but this one was a lot more re- raw and real and authentic. So I want you to know I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, you bet, man. You bet. So, uh, Nick, how do people find out about all the good work that you do? Uh, the best way to do it is just my name on any social media platform, Nick, K-O-U-M-A-L-A-T-S-O-S. And um, we just launched the, uh, we just got our podcast studio back. So season three of the Harborside podcast is up. I'm sure you've been seeing some of that. Awesome. Um, it, it's it's exciting to have these long four, like, you're, like we're talking here. Like I, you just can't, you can't get this kind of, uh, point across in a 60 second video on Instagram, no. you have no. to have long form conversations and, and really flush out these ideas and, and give the why behind it all. That's what's so important. So that's what I get to do there. Um, but yeah, any, anywhere there. And then my website. Awesome. And how do people go watch that video that you shared with us today for John? It's, it's on my YouTube. It's on your YouTube. Okay. We'll it's on my YouTube. I, I, I'm going to go watch that, man. And uh, yeah, let's let's support what you're doing. Let's buy some of your products. We're going to put all that in the show notes. And uh, brother, you know, um, I've done three book writing collaborations this year. Two of them have already come out. One's a business book. This is the book, uh, Taking a Stand for Freedom. So Nick, I'm going to throw it out there, man. You want to write a book with me on masculinity, brother? I'll love do it. to do that with you. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Done. Do it. Done deal. Let's do it. All right. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the, the recording. I'll stick around for a couple minutes. Okay. Let's follow through on a couple of these issues, man. This was a really great conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, brother. Thank you guys. And thank you for being a part of helping make men masculine again. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca. 